Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, downtown has problems, but not everyone seems to agree on exactly what they are. And if you ask Mayor Ed Ganey, to some extent, he thinks the whole area is actually on the rise. So we did that. We asked him about it and the city budget, bridges, sidewalks, gun violence, even the Super Bowl. And he was a pretty good sport about it all. See, now that I know you're going to say something like that, I'll be ready next time. Like that, that caught me way out of left field. I appreciate that. It's Thursday, December 7th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I'm with Mayor Ed Ganey downtown in his very fancy, very festive conference room. Um, Mr. Mayor, it's an honor. Thank you. I appreciate this. Um, yeah, they did a good job in decorating this right here. They did a good job. Mm-hmm. Definitely lots feels like the holiday season. Yes, and lots of photos on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, we want to honor. Um, we couldn't do it last month, so we're honoring for Veteran Days, for Veterans Days, our military. I love it. That's great. Um, You you know, in your State of the City address that you did last month, you said you wanted Pittsburgh to be the safest, Mm -hmm. most welcoming city in America Mm -hmm. with opportunity for all. It's a big extra piece there. Um, No tax increases, no cuts to staffing or services. But, you know, our federal COVID money is running out. Um, Are you worried about balancing our books at all? No. And the reason why I'm not worried is because we knew that coming in. And so we started to prepare. So I always say if you... If you, if you get prepared, you ain't got to worry about it when the time is right. You're ready. We understand that in the next two years, we're going to have skinny times, and we and we budgeted for that. The reason why the investment in the Department of Public Works last year was so important is so that this year wouldn't be a critical point in what we had to do. So when you when we talk about it from that perspective, we were ready. When we talk about it from the 136% increase that you're going to see in Domi to be able to deal with traffic calming studies and things of that sort, they were ready. So we didn't have to duplicate or, or, or double up on DPW or any, you know, because we had already did it in the beginning. The police contract that we did and we got accomplished, now we don't have to worry about that. First one you know in, I mean? First what, one 20, in 20 years? Yeah. Right. So, you know, that that's done. The bridge asset management bridge asset management program that we put into existence to be able last year to be able to deal with the, in the incoming influx of work that needs to be done in our bridges. We're doing that. So the things that we need to do is not going to have a, a, a detriment in the next two years because we've already invested in them. We're already doing them. It's not like it's something new. It's something that's already underway. Well, let's dig into some of that. You know, with the bridges in particular, you've got at least a dozen. Uh, more than that, if you want to try to take them on. Sure. Um, I think it's 37 city-owned bridges that have been rated sure. as poor. Some piece of it is poor. Um, your commission that you founded right after Fern Hollow fell down uh, just met for the first time on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it like? What's the next step? What, yeah, what I mean, came I out th- of that? <clears throat> yeah, you know, um, one, you know, I want to congratulate public safety. I want to congratulate PennDOT. 
um, even the president, President Biden, for coming the day that the Fern Hollow Bridge You <laughs> couldn't have written that into an episode of The West Wing. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. The president coming here, um, his ability to be able to pivot because he was going over to Hazelwood was positive. They got to see it. I think the commission that we talked about, the fact that we had a report talking about what we were going to do with the bridges, the allocation and the budget that you see right now to be able to address some of the the flaws that's in our bridges. But are the bridges all good. are so expensive. Yeah, they are. And you got eighty six million yeah. plus some federal money. Is yeah. that enough? Well, it's never enough, but it's a beginning, right? I mean, I you know, we went we went decades without a bridge management program. I mean, think about that. We the, the city, city of, bridges, of bridges. And we don't have a bridge asset management program. So I can't be upset about what we didn't have because we were not here yet. What I can do is begin to plan and talk about how do we look at this crisis and turn it into an opportunity so we have a promise of a better tomorrow. And how do we get there? You do them one at a time and you do them and then you you have to go out and get more money and find more money. But where we're at right now, the Fern Hollow Bridge, the Anderson Bridge, the rest of the ones that we begin to invest in, we're going to invest in the ones that need to be invested in right now in order to ensure that we're developing a city where our bridges are safe so that we can reach both sides of our city. People can get to school, people can get to medical, people can get to work. Whatever we need to do to improve the bridges to make this a safe city where people are mobile, we will do. What does that feel like for you now in the mayor's seat, though? Because, I mean, you've you've had your hands in development your entire career mm-hmm. um, in the state representative's office and previous mayoral administrations. But now you get to be in charge or you have to be in charge. I don't know if it's a gift. Oh, I, I you know, um, I definitely see it as a gift because, you know, I tell people you can't demonstrate leadership until your knowledge has been challenged. And right now, all that I've learned through the years is challenging my knowledge that I have. And so that's why I think we were able to act so quick. I mean, it, even if we talk about the bridge, you know, coming from the state rep position, knowing that we got to get down involved immediately, knowing that I got to get to the governor, knowing that we got to create, cre- uh, declare emergency de- declaration, all those things that we had to do to get there. Shocking that communication done. is so vital. Absolutely. And you couldn't do it if you didn't have the knowledge because you were at that point. So me being a state representative, um, chief of staff, Jake Wheatley being a state representative, our ability to already forge relationships at the state that we had already to be able to utilize those relationships in order to help us out in this region, a governor that at the time had the president pivot to come here. All those things make for the type of relationships that deal with development and help us develop a city that we want to see. Well, so let's talk a little bit about that traffic calming. You mm-hmm. know, you mentioned uh, Vision Zero a few times now, um, this idea that we should have zero traffic fatalities. Correct. Um, I know a lot of cyclists in particular were really excited to hear that that is, you know, kind of top of mind for you. And we've all seen that awful video of a wheelchair user being swatted into traffic. Luckily they were okay, but it was a hit and run. Um, What's first on your list for these traffic and coughing measures, like specific neighborhoods, specific streets, anything you can share? We already really started. I mean, you know, again, we've already started when you look at Homewood, when you look at some of the other areas that didn't have the type of um, street calming initiatives that we had, such as speed bumps. To Do be people able- like speed bumps is a genuine question. Well, I, I, I feel like they it, want traffic so, so, calming, so, so. but they don't right, always right, right. love the the application <laughs> of it. So I think it's who you talk to. I think it's going to be a mixed bag. Um, but we understand that it saves lives. I mean, the Hazelwood, right. the young, God bless the, the young gentleman that got killed in Hazelwood, to be able to put one there. 
based on what's happening in, in some of the other areas, particularly when we were doing the bridge, to look around that area and see where, where they need a speed bump, to talk about um, what's happening in the strip district and how do we create better safety when it comes to the streets in the strip district is going to be a challenge, but it's also going to be a, a wonderful investment, to talk about what we're doing with our schools in regards to our safe passage to schools, the sidewalks that we're doing in different neighborhoods to ensure that our children have a safe way to get to school, the program that we've used to be able to say if it's public sidewalks, we're going to do all we we're going to do what's necessary, particularly in the neighborhoods that we've been in. The sidewalks also, are really complicated, too, just yeah. because in Pittsburgh, it's unique that a lot of homeowners are in charge of the sidewalks. Sure, but we've also reached out to them to say, listen, it's better to do business with us, right? So, you know, we can we, we can offset the cost. And then if you're really at a low scale, we can offset that, too. So the fact that we're working for the first time with homeowners to say, here's how we can improve your sidewalks also is a benefit to them and to the city. And so if you benefit the people, you benefit the city. So every, every decision I make is how does it benefit people? People. Because if it benefits people, it benefits the city. And those are the things that we're doing right now that don't get a, a lot of attention because they're not sexy, right? They're not. Sidewalks they're, are very sexy. Yeah, Mr. Mayor. I think they are. But a lot of people be like, sidewalks. But they are because here's the reality. And curb cuts and all curb day. And curb cuts, all that is a, a reality because we're talking about mobility on so many different issues. That's why a part of it was bringing the, the, dis, the, the disability community, moving it out of city planning and putting it in the mayor's office so that we could have more of an understanding of exactly what's needed and get them involved at an earlier, I mean, earlier stage in development so they're prepared to go. That, that, those are things that help people, all people. If we're going to be a city that is safe and welcoming and people feel they can thrive, mobility is an important issue. So is the way we redesign our streets in a way that keeps people safe. Now, there's always going to be that divide because we know that, you know, generations that's a little older in the city is going to say, oh, wait a minute, hold on, what's going on? You know, that's, this is not how we grew up. But like I tell people, you, you know, we don't want to, you know, we don't want a city that grows old. We want a city that grows up. And in order to grow up, we have to do what's necessary to ensure that the safety patterns of our streets are to a, are to a point where they're saving lives. And that's what it's all about. Are you excited to see the scooters come back to Pittsburgh? You know, people use scooters. I know that's another subject. I that tried to use the divided. scooters. I have trouble turning them off. I can't get them to turn off. I have not been on a scooter. I wonder. I have not been a scooter. you got to get well, on one well, to see why. what it's well, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I probably will. But, you know, I'm, so the, the, we all have some paranoia, correct? So mm -hmm. mine's is getting on a scooter, hitting a rock, falling off and being on YouTube. You got. I mean, you have to be vigilant. It's like a bicycle, right? Right. That, that's where I'm at. I, I haven't always been sturdy on bikes either, but I do enjoy bikes. You know, we we would be happy to have them. I think they have to be. You know, it. I think that we have to really think about how we utilize them in a way where it's safe for everybody and where it's not getting in the way of different things. I think. Yeah, because our disability community Correct. has been Absolutely. really vocal about yeah. not liking these things, Absolutely. just because they're constantly discarded in yeah. places that are make it difficult to get they around. They just set them down or in the middle of the street. I mean, you, you, you can't have that. So thinking about thinking through that and thinking the solutions that we need in order to ensure that we have mobile, mo you know, we have a lot of different mobility avenues that we can go also says that we just can't leave them in the middle of the street. Listen, I had a neighbor across the street from me. You can't teach people to be nice to each other. Right, right. But not only that, I had a neighbor across the street from me. He would just park, to, he would just park it in front of his house. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense. So I think that as we talk about scooters coming back, we also have to talk about safety. Does the mayor's office plan to get involved with that? Because a mayoral administration can dictate some terms with those companies. We plan on doing what's necessary to keep the city safe. No specifics? Not right now. We'll ask you again in a few months.
I saw you also threw in your support recently uh, in a editorial, an op-ed for the Trib about the NFL draft coming yes, to Pittsburgh. Yes. Uh, why make that a big priority? Why is it exciting to you? You know, I think it's exciting to me because a lot of people's left this city. And wherever I go, you have what I call stiller bars all over or stiller lounges. We're all over. And a lot of, a lot of people, they still love this city. Like when you talk to them, it's like, wow, I'm from, they take pride in being from Pittsburgh. They love it. And not just being from Pittsburgh. My parents just moved up here from Tennessee. And my dad mm. is so used to wearing his Steelers shirt and yes. looking across the street, seeing another one and being like, go Steelers. Yes. And here it's everyone. And he Absolutely. has not gotten used to it. He's so wow. accustomed to <laughs> shouting it's across powerful. the street. And like, now it's not necessary. Yeah. Powerful. That's why. That right there. We want people to come back to see the new city, the new Pittsburgh. We want them to come back and experience that we're not the smoky town we used to be. We're tech, we're meds, we're ads, we're everything. We're inclusive, we're diverse, we're everything. We're culture, we're sports, we're everything. Come on home and see why you miss home so much. That's why you hear me all the time say, Pittsburgh is home. Come on back and experience the new home. Talk to, take your, your grandkids to the neighborhoods you grew up in. See how different it is. See why we're a city on the move. See why there's a new vibe. Look at all the new people that's downtown now. Why do you think the market for housing is hot downtown? Why yeah. do you think the conversions that we're using and we need more in order to continue to build a neighborhood that has the flexibility from affordable to market downtown for people to live is so important. The market is hot here and we have to continue to develop it. Come on home and see your stillers, see the drafts, six-time world champions, but we've never had a draft here. Cleveland's had a draft and we haven't. It's our time. Are you thinking a draft could be a step towards a Super Bowl? I realize there uh, are yeah, so many hurdles to yeah. getting a Super Bowl. Yeah. Almost. You mean in the city? In the city. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that one. That's <laughs> that's a pipe I, that, dream. That, that's all, yeah, I, would I love it? Absolutely. But being a cold, a cold city, um, I believe that you know the last one we had was in Detroit, which was a dome. I really can't remember if we had one in the city that was cold. Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins and so will everyone else there be playful be imaginative explore your magical realm because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress you must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum its art its education and all of its community outreach initiatives get your tickets now to the 25th mattress factory garden party they are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. I want to know how you feel about downtown right now. You know, you, I agree the market is hot, but the perception mm -hmm. of it yeah. has really struggled in the last few months. We got a lot of messages of people just saying, what are you going to do about downtown? Well, I think we're doing it. I think that when I said the budget was mine, I don't think I know. You know, the first year that we had a budget, it was not my budget. It was the previous administrations and we had to play on the budget. 
what I promised the city is when it was my budget, we would do three things. One, that we would increase the number of DP, the Department of Public Works um, workers that we had downtown to clean downtown. Two is that we would increase our police presence downtown, which we did. Third is that we will partner with different entities like the Allegheny Conference, the Pittsburgh Downtown Partnership, the uh, Downtown Neighborhood Association. How are those programs going? Oh, they're going wonderful. They're great. They're great. I mean, what are their like? What are their day to days like? So, if we're talking about the Ambassador Program, we brought 1.6 million back from the state. 600,000 went towards it. The Ambassador Program has been wonderful. It's just a handful of folks it's just walking a, around. We need, we need more downtown but, helping. Helping people, they're helping people, they're talking to people, they're what do building they do? that type give, of like, vibe. Directions to the Kaufman's Club. They give clock. directions. Well, I like the Kaufman's Club. Now, there's a whole <laughs> lot of memories there. But not only do they give directions, it's just to the people. But it's a difference when you can, you know, first thing in the morning, I want to see a smile. I want to know that, you know, me smiling means something. I like that. I think, you know, greeting people, talking to them. And also compliment the the the, the clean team by the deep P P D P, you know, to be out there that that compliments our Department of Public Works in regards to really cleaning up. I think that's phenomenal. I guess I'm just thinking about how folks are talking about downtown right now, like because, I mean, reality is one thing, but if people are worried about it or afraid of it or they yeah, they know. think that things are dirtier or worse than they used to be, does it matter what reality is? Well, I, th- I think that's a twofold question. So let's deal with the first part. Restaurant sales are up. The arts and cultural district's audience is back and booming. Coffee shop sales are up. People are coming downtown at night. Any, t- any When we talk about fear of anything, it's at night in urban settings. Well, we're getting them. I agree now, let's with talk you. About perception. The economy now, talk, is good, but yeah. why don't people like it? Well, no, I don't know if people don't like it. Let, let, let me say this. I think that if you exploit people, then people see what you exploit because that becomes the medium, that becomes the line. You know, I've shared with everybody that there's going to be homelessness. There's That's just the reality. Every city is dealing with it. Coming out of a pandemic, it was here before the pandemic. And at the end of the day, when the pandemic, you know, was in place, they came downtown. And now, all of a sudden, you know, we have that that we have to deal with. And that's why you've come out, we've come out with our policies around homelessness. That's why you've seen us clean up a lot of the campsites that we feel are unsafe for them because the reality is we want them to feel safe. We want everybody to feel safe. It's a population that we, again, is a part of our city and that we're going to have to deal with. But at the end of the day, should they be in jail? The answer is no. Should we be able to create more transitional housing and things of that sort? The answer is yes. Do we have to work with the county to ensure that? Absolutely. We need a relationship there and we've established that I think that what you see right now is that if you're walking around you're going to see less than you see more so at the end of the day it, it is a perception problem but also again perception is not always reality and I think that if you ask most of the people a lot of it is based on the fact people are not coming downtown to work anymore you're not going to get people to come down to downtown or anywhere else the vacancy else to work rates five, are real high absolutely five days a week that's over City Councilor Deb Gross suggested a new zoning use called Temporary Managed Communities uh, for sort of an, I guess, official homeless encampment with support staff, food, heat. Um, That zoning change, I guess, would be step one and a pilot program and picking a place for it to be Mm -hmm. would be step two. Do you support that? Show me. I need to see the plan. I mean, you know, I have a lot of respect for Councilman Gross. I mean, me and Deb go back a long, long time, but Deb knows how I am. Show me. I need to see. 
I can't speak on something that's just an idea. I need to see a plan of how it's going to be executed. At this moment in time, I haven't seen any plan. So, you know, Deb knows that I, I have tremendous respect for um, what she's done around the food policy um, argument and, and, and the three million that we gave. I mean, Deb is the incredible. The food justice fund. Yeah, the food justice fund. She's incredible. But, you know, this right here, I got to see. You got to show me. I can't speak on something that you haven't shown me. Okay. You've been talking too about you know crime and efforts to reduce youth mm-hmm. violence. Um, the Trib recently had a really good story going through a few years of gun violence data, mm-hmm. um, specifically deaths of local kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw it; it's really grim. One hundred and seventy oh, children yeah. in the last five years. Um, Thirty of them were killed in Pittsburgh just this year. Um, and I know, Mr. Mayor, that your family has also been touched by gun violence. So I want to say I'm really, really sorry for your loss it. too. Um, but what do you? hear when you hear stats like that as mayor? Um, what do you tell kids and parents about their safety and maintaining that safety in Pittsburgh? You know, so one, for everyone who's lost a child, my deepest prayers. That's number one. I, you know, I've watched my family go through it, so I'm not, you know, I understand it quite well. Um, and that's why you've always heard me say we've used a three, three-prong approach. One is that we got more guns on our streets than we got children. And legislatively, we have to change that. Because at the end of the day, it's not how we protect guns, it's how we protect our children. And if it's the guns that are killing our children, I don't wanna hear a conversation talking about guns don't kill guns, people kill people. At the end of the day, the tool that's being used to kill these kids is a gun. And from a legislative standpoint, Harrisburg and DC, they need to begin to talk about how they're changing gun laws in order to keep our children safe. That's number one. Number two is that we have to continue to talk about value and why we value our children. The reason why we put so much effort in going into these schools as a mayor, bringing them down here, is because I want every one of these kids to know they're special. You don't have to pick up a gun, just keep getting that knowledge and you'll live a life. You don't need a gun to settle anything. And that's why you hear us reach out to these parents and everybody else in the community. If you see something, say something. And we've seen a return on that. Of course, you know that we've probably got more information and evidence from the neighbor, from the communities, from you know people in the city than ever before. And I think that's a positive because we continue to reach out and say, if you see something, don't wait till it happens. Let us know. I think you can see that in the two events that happened at PPS where you know there was a, a conversation about somebody bringing a gun and people let us know. People worked with us, and that's what it's about. It takes all of us if we're going to keep our kids safe. And then the other one is that, um, and we don't have the numbers, but even in this city, there's a major reduction in overall homicides in this city from one year. From one year when we took office coming out of a pandemic, when violent, when homicides were on the increase, you know, a year later, we're talking about homicides being on a decrease, even when it comes to our youth. We celebrate, we, we talk about the death, but why don't we talk about the fact that right now there's a decrease in the homicides that's going on. What you promote is what you become. I'm not trying to promote a culture of homicide. I'm trying to create a culture of life. We also need to talk about the amount of homicides that have been reduced, what has worked, what we have to continue to do, and why we invest so much in tomorrow's children. Because Frederick Douglass said it best in my eyes, it's easier to educate a young person than try to, than try to re-educate a broken man. So at the end of the day, we still have to invest in the greatest asset we have in our city, and that's our youth, and that's what we've been doing. You got to listen to our show, Mr. Mayor, because we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, we did. Okay, all right. Talking about our police staffing, you've signed this FOP contract that's been a long time coming, um, raises pretty much across the board, um, but we've also lost, I 
think the numbers I've seen are close to 100 officers this year. Um, and our staffing study suggested that we didn't need as many as we had. What do you make of all this being down, but also seeing, you know, our crime statistics in flux? Yeah. So, you know, one is that the reason why we focus on homicides so much is because you can't have a safe city of people feel like they just shooting everywhere. And so when we talk about the reduction in homicides, I want to be able to give the police a lot of credit on that because they worked it diligently. When we talk about the fact that we went two-year hiatus without hiring any cops, this is what we inherited, and we respect that. At the end of the day, you see that we've put on several different classes to be able to get the recruit, recruitments up to where we want them to be. The classes are, are modest so far. Yeah, they're modest. Well, you got to keep doing it. I mean, you know, being an officer right now is not the sexiest job in the world, but we can make it sexy. We can continue to talk about it so people want to become cops. We have to be able to do that. How do we do that improve police-community relations? That has to happen. The community and the police got to be seen as one, not separate. And we've had a lot of separation instead of unification, and we have to change that around. And that's part of the reason why you heard Chief Scarado talking about that he's bringing somebody in to talk about diversifying the police force, to go out there and find diversity amongst the numbers. The ones that's going to retire, it is what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, they were able to retire. They should have. What we have to do is not focus on how many retire. What we have to do to continue to build the police force up so we have the numbers that we have so that we can properly protect our city. That's what we've been focused on, and that's what in our, in our actions demonstrated. You know, so I can't focus on who's going to retire because I can't change the years, right? I can't change. But what we can do is find out how we improve in a way that we're bringing on police that gives them the ability to feel like they're welcome here. And that means increasing pay on all levels when we talk about the contract, the contract for the first time in 20 years with a discipline matrix that says that if you do this, you can be fired. So at the end of the day, everybody feels safe, community and police. As long as we continue to create policies that we're bringing people together and that's separate them, we will be able to protect our city and we will get those numbers up. And I understand what the report said, but the report was just that a report. It was a blueprint to give us an idea of what we needed to do. But I always tell people, if you don't have wisdom with data, you just blind. The report was the data that we needed in order to have the wisdom that we have to make the right decisions. We've talked to Chief Scarato about this too, but what do you say in terms of police community relations and talking to somebody who's maybe faced some kind of historical harm and try to, how do you combat the ACAB narrative? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think that you can talk about it and we should talk about it, but until we demonstrate it, what difference does it make? And so we have to continue to demonstrate good police relationships in our communities and how we're working with community leaders like Azena Scott or like Liz Styles. We need to continue to work with the level of leaders in the community to demonstrate that we're building strong, powerful relationships. We need to get out the cars, what you see them doing, and walking around in the neighborhoods and saying, hey, how you doing today? You know what I mean? Everybody's human and we always have to demonstrate our humanity in order for people to believe that we can change things around. Now, does that mean we're going to change everybody around? The answer is no, but the reality is, can we change a lot of people's mind to see police officers different? And I think you've seen that this year when they were taking around turkeys as they do every year, but we highlighted it in a way, well, Chief Scarado highlighted it in a way that shows the humanity of a police officer taking turkey dinners to the families. It's powerful. So some of this is PR. Absolutely. Are you concerned at all about the privatization of Schumann, um, the juvenile detention facility? I know it's yeah. a county entity, yeah. but it stands to reason that a lot of Pittsburgh kids could end up there. Yeah, I would prefer it to be public, but that's not my choice. I also understand that we have to have a facility where we can take people. See, I, I'm not for, you know, people that's doing petty, petty thefts going to Schumann Center, but let me be honest. And not just people. These are kids. Kids. Okay, well, kids. But, but let me be honest on the other side of that. If you're out here with these guns... And this is the lifestyle that you went to, and we know what that can lead to, you have to go sit down for a little bit. 
Because at the end of the day, the other thing we're hearing, even from some of these parents, is I can't do nothing with them. I can't do anything. They got guns. He had a, the other one the other day had an AK-47. How does you know? a kid get an AK? I, exactly. But that, do you know what type of damage that would have done to families? I'm talking about someone that understands gun impact. I watched my sister be put in a body bag. I was on the scene. I understand that. For these kids that want to play with guns, they got to go sit down. You're not keeping our city safe. You're bringing trauma on top of trauma to our children, to our families. So when you hear me say people, yeah, they're kids, but at the end of the day, if we only see the kid, do we see mama and daddy? These are people. And if we're not doing what's necessary to ensure the safety of these kids, then we're not doing our job. One is parents, two is elected officials, three is corporate officials, four is nonprofits, and more importantly, just leaders of this region saying that our children are important and we need Schumann, but I prefer to be public, but that's not my call, to be able to put these kids that need to sit down and get the right resources around them to see if we can get them out of this lifestyle of wanting to shoot somebody. Well, even with Schumann closed, arrest records are up for kids. Mm -hmm. um, is that a good thing? Like, does that oh, mean that you're do doing it. a better job of approaching youth violence I mean, or more young people using the guns? Like, what's the answer there? I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a, an answer of what's better, right? Of course you don't want to be arresting no young kids. You don't want that. You don't want that at all. But we don't have no choice if they're carrying guns and, they, and they're using these guns in violent ways. Although, to be clear, not everybody that goes to Schumann or went to Schumann was a gun user. Right, but that's why I cleared for petty thefts. I, I don't think that it was on. I'm talking about for the ones that we know are in this lifestyle. The ones that you and I just talked about, where these kids getting these guns, knowing that they're getting these guns, understanding the drug culture and the strength of the drug culture and why a lot of these kids is in there and why if you in that game, you carry guns or the fact that you don't feel safe so you carry guns. That's why we have to change the whole narrative. It's not a, it's not a you know, if or or, it's both. We need both. We need to make sure that we're getting you know, kids that are dealing with guns off our streets and secondly, putting them in a situation where they're getting the right resources in order to rehabilitate them in a way where they don't feel they need a gun. But that, that, that's a process. And yeah, you're right, Schumann is not under my jurisdiction, but I'm still trying to help in every way. Mm -hmm. That's why I go to the schools. That's why I have them come down here. We can't make this city better if we're not investing in our youth. That's bottom line. Let's end on a high note, Mr. Mayor. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your hopes for your relationship with the incoming county executive, your former fellow representative, Sarah Anamorato? Yes, Sarah Anamorato. I'm just glad I can say her last name now. You did you know, it. it took a minute, Lots of right? Practice, yeah. Right, right. When we were state reps, I used to say, Rep Sarah, can I talk to you for a minute? But I'm very excited. I'm extremely excited, as you can see. Like, you know, we, we've worked together at Harrisburg. Um, she brings a different perspective in regards to helping human services that I think is going to be great, particularly when it comes to dealing with our kids, particularly when it comes to dealing with drug and alcohol. Dealing um, with Schumann. Mm -hmm. Dealing with Schumann. I mean, the whole nine. I think that, you know, her perspective is going to be well received. I'm looking forward to working with her. Mayor Ganey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. We're going to do it again. I hope so. You're going to let right. us. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, and I just want to say thank you. I think this was great. Um, there's so many other issues we could have talked about as well. But I want to say thank you and happy holidays. I appreciate that. Happy holidays, Mayor. Happy holidays, audience. <laughs>
That is all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. And if you like this, I hope you'll stay tuned because we've got a little bonus drop for you later today. You didn't think we'd forgotten that it's Food Thursday, did you? Y'all, we asked about Mayor Ganey's favorite restaurant, and I am still upset about the answer. If you're liking what you hear, you can find way more of it online. That's pittsburgh.citycast.fm. And of course, every day in our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. I'm picturing your staff also on the scooters, just like flanking you on all sides. That'd be funny. A, A real offensive line.